Welcome to Jabberwocky Audio Theater. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Visit our website at jabberaudio.com slash support to learn more or go to patreon.com slash team jabberwocky. The following audio theater is rated ADG for general audiences. Jabberwocky Audio Theater presents Through the Looking Glass. Welcome to Episode 2 of Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. In Episode 1, Kai and Gerda were two children who loved each other as if they were brother and sister. They used to sit among the beautiful roses that grew on the rooftops of their homes. One day, Tiny splinters of a broken mirror flew into Kai's eye and into his heart. The mirror had been made by a wicked hobgoblin, and it caused everything beautiful to look ugly. The splinter in Kai's heart turned it into a lump of ice, and the splinter in his eye made the world and the roses look ugly. One winter's day, Kai wanted to go for a ride, and he tied his sledge to the sledge of a beautiful woman dressed in white, the Snow Queen. She sped away with Kai to her palace in the cold north and made him forget little Gerda. Gerda decided that she must find her friend. She set out on a boat on a river and met a lonely witch who kept Gerda with her. But Gerda escaped and ran into the forest where she met a friendly crow. The crow told her that someone who might be Kai had married a princess who lived in a palace where the crow's sweetheart lived too. The crow flew to the palace to ask his sweetheart how Gerda could get past all the palace guards to see Kai. At the end of episode one, the crow has just returned from talking to his sweetheart, who is also a crow. It was late in the evening when he came back. Ka, ka, he said. I am to give you her love, and here is a little roll for you. She took it out of the kitchen. There is plenty there, and you must be hungry. You cannot come into the palace. The guards in silver and the footmen in gold would not allow it. But don't cry. You shall get in all right. My sweetheart knows a little back stairs which leads to the sleeping room, and she knows where to find the key. They went into the garden, and when the lights in the palace were put out one after the other, the crow led Gerda to a back door. Oh, how Gerda's heart beat with anxiety and longing. It seemed as if she were going to do something wrong, but she only wanted to know if it were little Kai. Yes, it must be he. She remembered so well his clever eyes, his curly hair. She could see him smiling as he did when they were at home under the rose trees. He would be so pleased to see her and to hear how they all were at home. Now they were on the stairs. A little lamp was burning, and on the landing stood the tame crow. She put her head on one side and looked at Gerda, 
who bowed as her grandmother had taught her. My betrothed has told me many nice things about you, my dear young lady, she said. Will you take the lamp while I go in front? We go this way so as to meet no one. Through beautiful rooms they came to the sleeping room. In the middle of it hung on a thick rod of gold were two beds shaped like lilies, one all white in which lay the princess, and the other red in which Gerda hoped to find Kai. She pushed aside the curtain and saw a brown neck. Oh, it was Kai! She called his name out loud, holding the lamp towards him. He woke up, turned his head, and it was not Kai. It was only his neck that was like Kai's, but he was young and handsome. The princess sat up in her lily bed and asked who was there. Then Gerda cried and told her story and all that the crows had done. You poor child, said the prince and princess. And they praised the crows and said that they were not angry with them, but that they must not do it again. Now they should have a reward. Would you like to fly away free, said the princess, or will you have a permanent place as court crows with what you can get in the kitchen? And both crows bowed and asked for a permanent appointment, for they thought of their old age. And they put Gerda to bed, and she folded her hands, thinking as she fell asleep, How good people and animals are to me! The next day, she was dressed from head to foot in silk and satin. They wanted her to stay on in the palace, but she begged for a little carriage and a horse and a pair of shoes so that she might go out again into the world to look for Kai. They gave her a muff as well as some shoes. She was warmly dressed, and when she was ready, there in front of the door stood a coach of pure gold, with a coachman, footman, and postillions with gold crowns on. The prince and princess helped her into the carriage and wished her good luck. The wild crow, who was now married, drove with her for the first three miles. The other crow could not come because she had a bad headache. Goodbye, goodbye, called the prince and princess, and little Gerda cried, and the crow cried. When he said goodbye, he flew onto a tree and waved with his black wings as long as the carriage, which shone like the sun, was in sight. They came at last to a dark wood, but the coach lit up like a torch. When the robbers saw it, they rushed out exclaiming, Gold! Gold! They seized the horses, killed the coachmen, footmen, and postillions, and dragged Gerda out of the carriage. She is plump and tender. I will eat her, said the old robber queen, and she drew her long knife, which glittered horribly. You shall not kill her, cried her little daughter. She shall play with me. She shall give me her muff and her beautiful dress, and she shall sleep in my bed. The little robber girl was as big as Gerda, but was stronger, broader, with dark hair and black eyes. She threw her arms around Gerda and said, They shall not kill you so long as you are not naughty. Aren't you a princess? 
No, said Gerda, and she told all that had happened to her and how dearly she loved little Kai. The robber girl looked at her very seriously and nodded her head, saying, They shall not kill you even if you are naughty, for then I will kill you myself. And she dried Gerda's eyes and stuck both her hands in the beautiful warm muff. The little robber girl took Gerda to a corner of the robber's camp where she slept. All round were more than a hundred wood pigeons, which seemed to be asleep, but they moved a little when the two girls came up. There was also, nearby, a reindeer which the robber girl teased by tickling it with her long, sharp knife. Gerda lay awake for some time. Coo! Coo! said the wood pigeons. We have seen little Kai. A white bird carried his sledge. He was sitting in the Snow Queen's carriage which drove over the forest when our little ones were in the nest. She breathed on them, and all except we two died. Coo! Coo! What are you saying over there? cried Gerda. Where was the Snow Queen going to? Do you know at all? She was probably traveling to Lapland, where there is always ice and snow. Ask the reindeer. There is capital ice and snow there, said the reindeer. One can jump about there in the great sparkling valleys. There the Snow Queen has her summer palace, but her best palace is up by the North Pole, on the island called Spitzbergen. Oh, Kai, my little Kai! sobbed Gerda. You must lie still, said the little robber girl, or else I shall stick my knife into you. In the morning, Gerda told her all that the wood pigeons had said. She nodded. Do you know where Lapland is? She asked the reindeer. Who should know better than I, said the beast, and his eyes sparkled. I was born and bred there on the snowfields. Listen, said the robber girl to Gerda. You see that all the robbers have gone. Only my mother is left, and she will fall asleep in the afternoon. Then I will do something for you. When her mother had fallen asleep, the robber girl went up to the reindeer and said, I am going to set you free so that you can run to Lapland. But you must go quickly and carry this little girl to the Snow Queen's palace, where her playfellow is. You must have heard all that she told about it, for she spoke loud enough. The reindeer sprang high for joy. The robber girl lifted little Gerda up and had the foresight to tie her on firmly, and even gave her a little pillow for a saddle. You must have your fur boots, she said, for it will be cold, but I shall keep your muff for it is so cozy. But, so that you may not freeze, here are my mother's great fur gloves. They will come up to your elbows. Creep into them. And Gerda cried for joy. Don't make such faces, said the little robber girl. You must look very happy. And here are two loaves and a sausage. Now you won't be hungry. They were tied to the reindeer. The little robber girl opened the door, made all the big dogs come away, cut through the halter with her sharp knife, and said to the reindeer, 
Run now, but take great care of the little girl. And Gerda stretched out her hands with the large fur gloves towards the little robber girl and said, Goodbye. Then the reindeer flew over the ground through the great forest as fast as he could. The wolves howled, the ravens screamed, the sky seemed on fire. Those are my dear old northern lights, said the reindeer. See how they shine. And then he ran faster still, day and night. The loaves were eaten, and the sausage also. And then they came to Lapland. They stopped by a wretched little house. The roof almost touched the ground, and the door was so low that you had to creep in and out. There was no one in the house except an old Lapland woman who was cooking fish over an oil lamp. The reindeer told Gerda's whole history, but first he told his own, for that seemed to him much more important. And Gerda was so cold that she could not speak. Ah, you poor creatures, said the Lapland woman. You have still further to go. You must go over a hundred miles into Finland, for there the Snow Queen lives, and every night she burns Bengal lights. I will write some words on a dried stockfish, for I have no paper, and you must give it to the Finland woman, for she can give you better advice than I can. And when Gerda was warmed and had had something to eat and drink, the Lapland woman wrote on a dried stockfish and begged Gerda to take care of it, tied Gerda securely on the reindeer's back, and away they went again. The whole night was ablaze with northern lights. And then they came to Finland and knocked at the Finland woman's chimney. For door, she had none. Inside, it was so hot that the Finland woman wore very few clothes. She loosened Gerda's clothes and drew off her fur gloves and boots. She laid a piece of ice on the reindeer's head and then read what was written on the stockfish. She read it over three times till she knew it by heart and then put the fish in the saucepan, for she never wasted anything. Then the reindeer told his story and afterwards little Gerda's, and the Finland woman blinked her eyes but said nothing. You are very clever, said the reindeer. I know. Cannot you give the little girl a drink so that she may have the strength of twelve men and overcome the Snow Queen? The strength of twelve men, said the Finland woman. That would not help much. Little Kai is with the Snow Queen, and he likes everything there very much and thinks it is the best place in the world. But that is because he has a splinter of glass in his heart and a bit in his eye. If these do not come out, he will never be free, and the Snow Queen will keep her power over him. But cannot you give little Gerda something so that she can have power over her? I can give her no greater power than she has already. Don't you see how great it is? Don't you see how men and beasts must help her when she wanders into the wide world with her bare feet? She is powerful already, 
because she is a dear little innocent child. If she cannot by herself conquer the Snow Queen and take away the glass splinters from little Kai, we cannot help her. The Snow Queen's garden begins two miles from here. You can carry the little maiden so far. Put her down by the large bush with red berries growing in the snow. Then you must come back here as fast as you can. Then the Finland woman lifted little Gerda on the reindeer, and away he sped. Oh, I have left my gloves and boots behind, cried Gerda. She missed them in the piercing cold, but the reindeer did not dare to stop. On he ran till he came to the bush with red berries. Then he set Gerda down and kissed her mouth, and great big tears ran down his cheeks, and then he ran back. There stood poor Gerda, without shoes or gloves, in the middle of the bitter cold of Finland. She ran on as fast as she could. A regiment of gigantic snowflakes came against her, but they melted when they touched her, and she went on with fresh courage. And now we must see what Kai was doing. He was not thinking of Gerda, and never dreamed that she was standing outside the palace. The walls of the palace were built of driven snow, and the doors and windows of piercing winds. There were more than a hundred halls in it, all of frozen snow. The largest was several miles long. The bright northern lights lit them up, and very large and empty and cold and glittering they were. In the middle of the great hall was a frozen lake which had cracked in a thousand pieces. Each piece was exactly like the other. Here the Snow Queen used to sit when she was at home. Little Kai was almost blue and black with cold, but he did not feel it, for she had kissed away his feelings and his heart was a lump of ice. He was pulling about some sharp, flat pieces of ice and trying to fit one into the other. He thought each was most beautiful, but that was because of the splinter of glass in his eye. He fitted them into a great many shapes, but he wanted to make them spell the word love. The Snow Queen had said, if you can spell out that word, you shall be your own master. I will give you the whole world and a new pair of skates. But he could not do it. Now I must fly to warmer countries, said the Snow Queen. I must go and powder my black kettles. This was what she called Mount Etna and Mount Vesuvius. It does the lemons and grapes good. And off she flew and Kai sat alone in the great hall trying to do his puzzle. He sat so still that you would have thought he was frozen. Then it happened that little Gerda stepped into the hall. The biting cold winds became quiet as if they had fallen asleep when she appeared in the great empty freezing hall. She caught sight of Kai 
She recognized him and ran and put her arms round his neck, crying, Kai, dear little Kai, I have found you at last. But he sat quite still and cold. Then Gerda wept hot tears which fell on his neck and thawed his heart and swept away the bit of the looking glass. He looked at her and then he burst into tears. He cried so much that the glass splinter swam out of his eye. Then he knew her and cried out, Gerda, dear little Gerda, where have you been so long? And where have I been? And he looked round him. How cold it is here, how wide and empty. And he threw himself on Gerda and she laughed and wept for joy. It was such a happy time that the pieces of ice even danced round them for joy. And when they were tired and lay down again, they formed themselves into the letters that the Snow Queen had said he must spell in order to become his own master and have the whole world and a new pair of skates. And Gerda kissed his cheeks and they grew rosy. She kissed his eyes and they sparkled like hers. She kissed his hands and feet and he became warm and glowing. The Snow Queen might come home now. His release, the word love, stood written in sparkling ice. They took each other's hands and wandered out of the great palace. They talked about the grandmother and the roses on the leads. Wherever they came, the winds hushed and the sun came out. When they reached the bush with red berries, there stood the reindeer waiting for them. He carried Kai and Gerda first to the Finland woman who warmed them in her hot room and gave them advice for their journey home. Then they went to the Lapland woman who gave them new clothes and mended their sleigh. The reindeer ran with them until they came to the green fields fresh with the spring green. Here he said goodbye. They came to the forest, which was bursting into bud, and out of it came a splendid horse which Gerda knew. It was the one which had drawn the gold coach, ridden by a young girl with a red cap on and pistols in her belt. It was the little robber girl, who was tired of being at home and wanted to go out into the world. She and Gerda knew each other at once. You are a nice fellow, she said to Kai. I should like to know if you deserve to be run all over the world. But Gerda patted her cheeks and asked after the prince and princess. They are traveling about, said the robber girl. And the crow? asked Gerda. Oh, the crow is dead, answered the robber girl. His tame sweetheart is a widow and hops about with a bit of black crepe round her leg. She makes a great fuss, but that's all nonsense. But tell me, what happened to you, and how you caught him? And Kai and Gerda told her all. Dear, dear, said the robber girl, shook both their hands, and promised that if she came to their town, she would come and see them. Then she wrote on. But Gerda and Kai went home hand in hand. 
There they found the grandmother and everything just as it had been. But when they went through the doorway, they found they were grown up. There were roses on the leads. It was summer. Warm, glorious summer. You've been listening to Through the Looking Glass from Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. Today's presentation was The Snow Queen, Part 2 of 2, written by Hans Christian Andersen, adapted for radio and read by Marsha Renz. Recorded at Arlington Independent Media in Arlington, Virginia. Produced by Jabberwocky Audio Theatre in association with Arlington Independent Media, W-E-R-A-L-P, 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. Dialogue editing by Maurice Malda, with final sound mix and mastering by William R. Coughlin. Post-production services provided by Tohu Bohu Productions, LLC. This recording is the property of Team Jabberwocky LLC and may not be rebroadcast, retransmitted, or redistributed without express permission from Team J. For all the latest episodes and information on Jabberwocky Audio Theater, visit jabberaudio.com. If you're enjoying Through the Looking Glass and the other yarns we spin at Jabberwocky Audio Theater, be sure to subscribe and share. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash teamjabberwocky for exclusive content and to help us continue to bring you further tales of high adventure and mysterious suspense. Until next time, this is Kim Davenport saying thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next thrilling production from Jabberwocky Audio Theater. Hast thou slain the Jabberwock?